is Bloomberg Surveillance. But the question is, where are these people who are making 3 and 4% wage growth? I don't see them, nobody else sees them, and some people need to fiddle around with the data, but I just don't buy that. There's a sense of nervousness out there. People are sort of uh, confused. You know, you're bouncing around in terms of what the Fed's going to do. You're worried about what's going on in the rest of the world, uh, and there's not a real clear sense. While the United States feels good, markets overseas and economies overseas are not as strong, and so these things are now intertwined, so we can't pull these things apart. We have to keep an eye on what's going on in the rest of the world. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keene. Thrilled you're with us in this hour. We look at the equity markets. We've done a little more of that across all of the morning. Brian Belsky with us earlier. That was smart. Gene Munster darkening the door. We learned a little bit about technology. We'll look at the industrial space here uh, in a mid. Uh, and Valiant, we'll have news on that at some point here. Valiant uh, industrially moving higher uh, this morning as well. The market's moving. That's what you need to know. Futures negative 18. They improved negative 14 now. Negative 17. A little bit of weight to the market's. The Forex Brief is brought to you this morning, as always, by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best. Retail Forex trading platform, visit IB. Do that at IBKR.com slash Forex. IBKR.com slash Forex. Slash Forex is stronger yen. 110.62 is jaw-dropping way against consensus over the last Six weeks, 110.62. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if that can get in the vicinity of 109. We're not there yet. Stronger yen. Weaker euro, 113.71 euro yen through 126. Big move, stronger yen, weaker euro, 125.77. Dollar churning, I think we'll leave it there. Sterling, 141.88 uh, is well. Pretty much that's it. I'd say yields lower as well. Uh, German yields, a 10-year yield, 0.096, uh, is um, breathtaking. As is David Wilson, who I, I'm assuming if you move beyond Alaska Air Virgin America, is that so yesterday? So yesterday. What do we got to? I mean, it's fun. It's busy. There's a lot going on. Absolutely. And you've got to start with our again. I mean, the shares are down 17 23% at one point, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, stock's really taking a hit. The drug maker's proposed $160 billion merger with Pfizer was put in jeopardy after the U.S. Treasury Department set new rules limiting the deal's tax savings. The move affects inversions in which U.S. companies effectively go offshore for tax purposes. Now, Allergan is legally based in Dublin and run from New Jersey. Uh, Pfizer shares, by the way, up 2% in early trading. We've seen declines among other drug makers as well. This is an industry that has repeatedly gone the inversion route in the past few years in terms of its deal making. So you've got Merck down 1.5%, AbbVie down 1%, Baxalta down 1.5%, and Mylan down 2% in early trading. Walt Disney down 2%. Tom Staggs resigned as chief operating officer of the world's largest entertainment company. Staggs was widely viewed as the likely successor to chief executive Bob Iger, whose contract runs through June 2018. And since... uh, Disney's in the Dow. We might as well mention another Dow company, Cisco Systems, down 2.5%. The world's biggest maker of computer networking equipment was lowered to neutral from by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Twitter, though, up 4%. 
the social media service won a contract to show the National Football League's Thursday night games online. That's according to a person familiar with the matter. Twitter was said to be bidding against Amazon.com, Verizon, and Yahoo. We have earnings out today from Walgreens Boots. They didn't go over so well. The stock's down about 1%. The drugstore chain's fiscal second quarter revenue failed to meet analyst average estimate in the Bloomberg survey. Walgreens was hurt by the second straight quarterly drop in U.S. retail sales at stores open more than a year. So we're talking about sales mm-hmm. other than Walgreens pharmacy departments. Tesla Motors down 3.5%. The electric car maker shipments for the first quarter were about 7.5% lower than its forecast. Now, in the past two days, Tesla shares gained 7.5% as orders for the Model 3 car beat its estimate. Valiant Pharmaceuticals up 17% in early trading. The drug maker said it completed an accounting review without finding any more items that would require restatements. Valiant said in February that it would revise past earnings after reviewing its ties to the specialty pharmacy, Philidor. And I'll mention one more. Marvell Technology up 14.5%. Chief Executive Sehat Sucharja and President Willie Dai were fired by the board. Yeah. Marvell said last month that a probe into accounting and internal controls found issues with what was called the tone at the top. The tone at the top. That's a great band. I loved them. They did Chuck Berry like you would not have believed. The tone at the top. Lucille. Very good. Uh, David Wilson, thank you so much. Fired up on the equity markets. Um, It's a bear market in industrials and agriculture. Larry DiMaria, what's great about Larry DiMaria is he actually traded equities before. It's very cool to do fundamental research and also understand there's a bid out there. Uh, Larry DiMaria with, uh, DiMaria with uh, William Blair. Have we found a bid on John Deere? We bounced off the 75 level like 14 times. Is it a value trap or do you climb on board a stock down 22% from the peak? Uh, thanks and happy to be here. Uh, John Deere is a great company, one of the top class companies that we in our industrial universe. So I think that there's some folks who want to look at this as a very, very long-term play and are comfortable owning uh, a value situation, knowing that in three or four years maybe things get better. Yeah. Uh, we would we would argue though that uh, the fundamental outlook in the agriculture space is quite challenging at least through next year and potentially longer right. if we look back at past cycles. So um, I, I think we're still going to have some downside to the stock from these levels. And and uh, kind of yeah. have these short covering rallies, but then uh, then tend to come back down to reality. Sam Allen out of Purdue University has done this for a few cycles at Deer. What are Sam Allen's best practices at Deer that everybody else has to learn in an agriculture swing down? Well, he's a real uh, dear guy. He's been there for a very long time, um, has, has run numerous businesses there, and is a uh, real dear pedigree. Um, I think what he's trying to do is um, certainly continue the strong history of operational execution and managing through the cycles. Um, and they're having a t- obviously tough time, but they're managing it well through this down cycle now. So I think that broadly the culture internally is about uh, hunkering down, um, mm-hmm. getting ready for the next cycle and making sure that they, uh, they don't cut too much capacity, for example, and uh, making sure they're yeah. in a good position for the time when things do eventually turn. Yeah, Mike, $850 million, $900 million cash flow down to 420 What um – What's behind your call for a, a, a struggles for deer over the next couple of years now that we're seeing reports that we're going to have a much better year in the fields than people thought, uh, Agriculture Department raising its forecast for plantings and grain stuff? 
Yeah, it's a good question because there's a little bit of uh, perverse logic to that that we're going to have a very good, well, potentially a very good crop, right? We don't know what the weather is going to be, and uh, certainly the farmers need to make sure they have the right inputs in place like nitrogen to make sure they maximize their yield. Uh, the issue is, though, that with those big crops, we're going to have uh, smaller, uh, lower crop prices, and that's going to hurt farmers. So they're doing everything they can to get that incremental um, yield uh, to cover their fixed costs. Um, but what we did was we looked back at uh, we did a couple of studies. We looked back at 100 years of ag cycles, and they really run in uh, similar cycles. And uh, we're in a obviously down cycle now, and we need a change in the demand profile to really change that. We've had a couple of more recent cycles that we looked at, like the 80s, which was really a depression, and the late 90s into the early 2000s, which was like a recession, and that lasted actually you know a few years of being sideways for a while. So uh, to change the situation, we would need probably a change in the weather um, for the worst this summer, which is always possible. We've had a few good years of weather. Um, or an upward tick in demand, which is not really what we see given the slow growth out of Asia right now. I, I look at all this, and I mean, I, I guess a lot of people make cyclical or structural bets on this. Would you explain to me how you buy industrials given the global backdrop that we have? <laughs> I mean, is it, I mean, you're you're a young lad. Have we ever seen it this gloomy? Uh, it hasn't been this gloomy for a while. I mean, even in the you know currency crisis in the late '90s and uh, even before that, uh, this has been a this is a pretty tough time. I mean, we're, we're in an industrial recession, and we've been that way for probably close to two years. Uh, so it's been pretty gloomy for a while. Uh, I'm sure there is light at the end of the tunnel, but uh, we have to find the bottom first. We haven't found the bottom, but I think that. Um, it's going to take some time to do that, uh, and eventually you do buy these cycles because uh, these companies because you hope for and you yeah. see uh, you know higher trough earnings and then higher peak earnings in the future, and you can uh, assign multiples to that. We we got to come back with uh, Larry DeMarie of William Blair. Um, he's senior vice president. Mike, slit your wrists at William <laughs> Blair. You look at folks. We have a screen on the Bloomberg. What's called the 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 recommendation screen where I can look at Lawrence D. Maria, Blair, their address, his phone number, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to give it out, girls. But within that, you can look at his performance and how the stock is done. I don't believe I've ever seen, Mike, a screen as red, a group as lousy as Larry D. Maria's. We'll come back and talk to him about the adversity of agriculture and mining. Good news. You're going to be covering industrials. The bad news is you're covering industrials. He's, he's, got, a, he's got a fresh look at it. Futures at negative 17. All right, let's check in now with Michael Barr for the latest news headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. It is primary day in Wisconsin for Republicans and Democrats. Republican Ted Cruz leads in polls over Donald Trump heading into today's contest. However, Trump predicts a really big victory for the Democrats. Bernie Sanders leads in polling in the state, but he has an uphill battle. Sanders would need to win 67% of the remaining delegates to catch up to Hillary Clinton, and right now he's at 37%. A published report says that if elected president Donald Trump plans to force Mexico to pay for a border wall by cutting off billions of dollars in remittances by immigrants living in the U.S. Today's Washington Post cites a two-page memo from Trump threatening to change a rule under the Patriot Act anti-terrorism law to cut off money transfers sent to Mexico. Global News, 24 hours a day. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. Michael, thanks so much. Doug Cass lighting it up in Florida. He's all fired up. He knows I'm happy because the Red Sox started the season strong, Mike.
game was postponed. <laughs> yeah, you know, we thought that might happen. They I haven't a, lost yet. You can't complain. You can't complain. New rules. Market Driver is brought to you by Bank of America. Merrill Lynch's global cash management solutions, helping you manage, protecting, and invest your global cash wherever the road to growth leads. That's the power of global connections. Bank of America, North America, member FDIC. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The Bloomberg Futures Report brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for a global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. U.S. stock index futures are lower, signaling stocks will extend losses after the S&P 500 slipped from its highest levels this year. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 17 points. Dow E-mini futures down 100. 21. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 33.5. The DAX in Germany is down 2.5%. Ten-year Treasury up 12.30 seconds. The yield 1.71%. NYMEX crude oil, little change, down 3 cents to 35.67 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 1.3% or $15.70 at 12.35 an ounce. The euro, $1.1371. The yen won 10.50. And Valiant Pharmaceuticals saying a special ad hoc board committee has found no additional accounting issues at the company that would require more restatements and that it plans to file its annual report on or before April 29th. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Uh, thanks so much, Karen. Greatly appreciate that. Good morning, everyone. This is uh, Bloomberg Surveillance. Uh, Doug Cass listening. Thank you for listening in Florida. Of course, to get baseball season started, Mr. Cass quoting the ancient American philosopher, oil can void. That's what they get for building a park on the ocean. That is the Red Sox play the Indians. Thank you, Mr. Cass, for that wisdom this morning. Larry, they are, G- they are playing in, of course, Cleveland. Which yes. Is a long way from the ocean. Larry D. Maria knows that. He's with William Blair. We look at the industrial uh, group here. Larry, if we've got a struggling group in manufacturing single-digit economy, in the old days that meant M&A away. Is mergers and acquisitions, combinations, part of what managers will do in the industrial space? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think what we've tried to do is really uh, cut costs as, as far as we can, and they can cut costs a little bit more probably, um, but we're starting to cut to the bone when we start doing some even more massive restructuring into this year. So maybe the next lever is to uh, is to merge and exploit some synergies. Uh, the other thing we're seeing certainly is cross-border M&A um, from Asian, specifically Chinese companies, looking to buy uh, some assets overseas, potentially to uh, avoid or get out ahead of uh, devaluing uh, currency in China. So I think we will see some more M&A in the future as, uh, you know, overseas companies look to acquire technology to the extent we'll allow them to do that and uh, also to exploit synergies from mergers in the U.S. I want to ask you about um, trucking companies. they would seem to be a good measure of how the economy is going because obviously if we're making more stuff, we're shipping more stuff. Uh, what's the outlook there? Um, your latest note suggests recession watch? 
Yeah, I think obviously uh, trucking and commercial vehicles are very economically sensitive, and there's a lot of angst in the economy, and everybody's looking to figure out when is the next rest recession because we're a bit long in the tooth in the recovery. I think we're about 81 months into it, which is about average uh, post-war. Uh, so that's the big factor that people are looking at. Um, but the more economically sensitive uh, trucks, the Class 8, um, are actually pretty weak right now. There's excess freight capacity, you know, low residual values are weak, et cetera, and that's causing us to down cycle in the Class 8, but it's really the microcosm of the economy, so that's uh, being weaker because of too much capacity, and then also you see some weakness from the energy patches, but the medium-duty outlook is actually uh, relatively resilient and actually pretty strong and growing, which is more a factor of the service economy, which is what's doing far better in the consumer economy in the U.S. Mike, pick up on this, but with John Riding, Steve Stanley, Joshua Shapiro, and others analyzing trade, I'll go to Mr. Stanley at, at Amherst Pierpont, uh, Mike, looking for a quote-unquote dismal first quarter, but even with the import-export imbalance, a number of things leading to a pickup in growth through the year. I believe that you buy straw hats in winter, and on a trade dynamic, you wonder what it means for the industrial space. Well, exports in the latest re- uh, report that uh, came out this morning were higher which um, may be good news. How much uh, are we, Larry, dependent on exports, the, the industrial sector here in the U.S.? Well, over the last few years, uh, it's been less so because of, uh, you know, uh, currency dynamics and stuff. Um, but exports are important, but certainly they're far more important for Europe than they are for North America. So uh, one of the reasons why I think our economy has been a bit more resilient is because we're less dependent on exports. Obviously, they are important, um, and they can uh, help when, obviously, the uh, dollar is weaker. But um, on, on an apples-to-apples basis, we're in a better position than Europe, for example. So, is there any bright spot out there? Yeah, that's the pr- sure. That's- McKee always yeah. with the, McKee with Although, the direct. What question. gets you to come to work every day? <laughs> it's not as bad as it sounds, and when you look at your screen and it's all red, um, you know sometimes that happens. But I think there's a couple things we want to remember. First of all, there are secular stories in the industrial world. For example, around safety in commercial vehicles, we're seeing companies that are outgrowing cyclical end markets because of the adoption of safety technologies. Companies like Wabco. Um, also. There's a big trend, industrial and technology convergence. Our smart companies are really embracing Silicon Valley technologies, um, looking to uh, ways to get more recurring revenue that's high margin. And then finally, don't forget, um, you know, when the, you know what hits the fan, where do we go back to? The companies that make things. And these are companies that are uh, long-lived assets. They've been around for a very long time, and they make tangible goods. So when uh, there's concerns over credit and concerns over other things, uh, I think we tend to rotate into companies at the right price would they make tangible assets, not necessarily business plans that don't have profits right now. Larry, long term, I think we're in a better position. We'll be in an okay position. Larry, thank you so much. Larry DiMaria with William Blair as you look at the industrial space. Mike, you really wonder what the trade numbers will do to the Atlanta GDP now forecast, 0.6 up to 0.7. And they, what do they tweak that, once a week, Mike? Is that No, after it goes? Uh, it's just a compilation of what the numbers mean when you add them all up for GDP, and they put it out pretty much uh, every time there's a new indicator. So yeah. you might see a, uh, another one later today. Interesting. Well, there it is with the trade numbers. Uh, I haven't really looked at them in, in quarters, and all of a sudden they become tangible with the basic summary of the good research we read being imports are pretty good and exports are 
not so good. Futures negative 16, Dow futures negative 114. To review early this morning, an exceptional weight uh, across assets. Action green on the screen with oil, 35.74, up 4 cents. On West Texas, the yield 1.72%. And the yen was a 110.39, it's now 110.51. The yen slightly weaker in the last 90 minutes. It's Bloomberg Surveillance. We're counting down to the opening bell brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive on at your local Jeep dealer today.